everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Game Luster Podcast. This is Sean, a writer speaking, and I'm hosting today. I'm joined by Joseph, another writer. Hello. And Dougie, another fellow writer. Hello. Today, the topic of discussion is going to be about virtual reality, but first we're going to start off with what we're currently playing. Why don't you start us off, Dougie? Uh, well, recently I've been playing because uh, episode three of Sally Face came out towards the end of last month. So I've replayed that about three times trying to unlock all the achievements. I, I don't know if you're aware of it. It's like an indie horror game. It's very visually pleasing. It's uh, but like a solo project created by this one guy, which I found pretty fascinating. Uh, but the so, last few days I've just been playing a lot of Stronghold. Okay. So you said it's episodic? Yes, it is. Huh. And is it done, like, Telltale style, where, like, you can buy, like, the season pass, and it all, like, unlocks yeah. as it comes out, or how does that work? Uh, well, you, you can buy, like, episode one, and then buy a season pass, which unlocks all the ep- uh, current episodes and all future episodes. Huh. Okay. And how many episodes is it? Or, like, do you know, do, do they know how long it's going to be? I think it's going to be five episodes. There's three so far. Oh, okay. That's cool. And you said it's like a horror game? Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, anything Please else do. you've been playing? Nope. <laughs> oh, really? That's your main thing right now? Okay. Well, yeah, I've been playing uh, just Stronghold the last few days, which sure. I don't know if you remember that. 90s, I think. Oh, is that a PC title? Yeah, it is. Uh, castle simulator, I think. You're in a medieval castle. You have to defend it. Build your resources. Super interesting. Okay, yeah. yeah. I haven't heard too much <laughs> about that. That's funny. Uh, what about you, Joseph? Uh, I've been playing a lot. Uh, I actually reviewed a couple games for the site uh, okay. recently. So yeah, I I just finished Bayonetta 2 for like the third time or whatever because I had it on uh, Wii U. Um, and I was review, I uh, reviewed it for Switch. Um, and then I also reviewed, uh, Pac-Man Championship Edition Plus. Uh, and that's a sequel to Pac-Man Championship Edition that came out, I think, in like 2007 or something. I can't remember. It's like a fast-paced, like, version of, uh, of Pac-Man. Um, and then I got, uh, Call of Duty World War II recently, um, which I was just like, eh, I feel like playing something sort of mindless and just want some, you know, junk food game to play. And it's really, really good. I know every year Call of Duty gets a lot of hate and I, regardless of the community or anything, I think they're very well made. Um, so yeah, uh, I've been playing that and then... I'm still playing Binding of Isaac, which is something that I'm probably going to be playing for the rest of my life, just because it's one of those games that's like, ah, just let me do a run real fast. Um, so yeah, it, I'm probably going to be playing Bloodborne again for for review, sure. um, since it's free on PS Plus. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. I try to play a lot of stuff, so uh, I'm always busy with the games. Absolutely, I- I'd actually like to bounce back to a few of these briefly, if if you wouldn't mind. You spoke of Bayonetta. Now, Bayonetta is kind of one of the white whales of mine. It's a title that I really, really want to play. I just, I just never have. Um, I was a Wii U owner. And because of that, Bayonetta 2 always kind of struck out to me as something I should try. I never did though. 
Um, is it as good as everyone says it is? Because the, what I hear about Bayonetta is very, very good thing. So I was just wondering if, if your opinion lines up with that. Yeah. Um, so I gave it a nine on the website. Okay. Um, and it is just like, there's not really anything like it. I mean, yeah, there are fast paced action games like Devil May Cry or Ninja Gaiden or God of War or whatever, but like those games all take themselves pretty seriously. Right. And I love mm. it that in Bayonetta, everything is over the top. Even just like walking throughout the environment is over the top. Um, cause you can like turn into a, a panther and like run <laughs> and there's no like sprint. You, you just turn into a panther or like, you can fly just because, and she's like has these wings, these like demon wings or whatever. Uh-huh. She's like flying around, or she can uh, she can fly like with butterfly wings as well. It's just really really weird, and all the the bosses are gigantic and like uh, everything is just insane and epic and over the top. Um, uh, it's one of those games where something new is happening basically every like minute, which is not an exaggeration. Um, so the pacing in other words is is really good you're always on your toes so to speak yeah yeah and it's just like always visually interesting and like the the levels are pretty short and they vary in the way they look so like um one level will be like snowy and then the next one you'll be fighting a dragon just in the sky and then the next one you're like in like a city and in one you're like fighting on top of a flying jet or whatever like i don't want to get into spoiler territory but yeah (laughs) it's just it's all over the place, but in a good way. It's it's uh, something that is, like you said, keeping you on your toes kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that pretty much matches what I've seen about it. I never even got to play the first Bayonetta either, so I'm really eyeing the, the two-for-one basically pack they have going on right now. It seems like it'd be yeah. a good title to play and on it's, Switch. Um, it, so... It's kind of like uh, Batman Arkham City and Arkham Asylum in that um, one, like in my opinion, one is like so much better than the other that I really? recommend playing them in order because if you play Arkham City first and then go back and play Asylum, it's like, oh, okay, this is clearly a sequel. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, right, absolutely. Um, you should play them in order because uh, yeah. the, the, the second one is such an upgrade from the first one that... Uh, you should just make sure that you play the first one first and then the second one. Yeah, those quality of life things are hard to reverse on, if you know what I mean. S- uh, something I noticed with Uncharted, I didn't play it in chronological order, and I definitely uh, uh, it hampered my enjoyment of the first title. You know, it's probably something I would have enjoyed as a standalone thing, but in relation to those things that they change in the later titles, it, there was a lot of shortcomings there that were really obvious to me and I'm playing it. And it's also something that I really strongly uh, recommend to people looking to get into the Persona series. I don't know if you guys have played any of those. I love Persona so much. (laughs) Yeah. Any experience with uh, Persona, Dougie? Uh, Well, yeah, Persona. I played Persona 5. Okay. um, Last year, because it was was very celebrated. But I'm not familiar with the series, so I don't know if I got the full experience. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all standalone, but yeah. the the recommendation I make for people wanting to get into that series is is if they're interested in experiencing the whole thing or a lot of it, that they start with the earlier titles, maybe three or so, just because it is just so many, so many conveniences are added in each title. Mm-hmm. And there are things you take for granted in Persona 5 if you haven't played the other ones, I guess you could say. And if you were to go back, those things will muddle you 
you muddle your experience in those other games, even though that, that, that core element is there, those kind of external, uh, niceties really add up and they can make yeah. your experience a lot worse if you don't. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I definitely would play through Bayonetta one before I tackled the second one by all means. Yeah. And that's a good point about Persona as well. Uh, I, I definitely think the third one is a good starting point. You're right. Um, I haven't, cause I, even just like logistically, I think getting a hold of a copy of the first two, I feel like is difficult. Uh huh. Because they're on PS1, I think. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. But either way, I think I looked them up online and they were super expensive and there's no real way to like, there's no virtual console or anything like that. So three is pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, you can get it on Vita, I know. Right. Um, and, and then there may be a PS3 version as well. So you can do like a digital version of it. There is. So that's how I played it. So yeah, you can, yeah, there's the PS, of course, the PS2 versions. I, there's even a PSP version, believe it or not. Um, oh, that's the Vita version. It's, are you it's, sure? a, it's just oh, okay. the PSP version. Yeah. Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So there's like a ton of different ways you can play that one. And yeah, I, I guess I didn't even really think about Persona 1 and 2. Uh, they, uh, I, I, you'd really, you know, I almost think to even try those, you would have to jump into, like, to have the interest in trying them, you probably would play one of the other ones first. And then if you're really passionate about it, you'd be like, okay, I'll go back and kind of experience the roots of this thing. But there, it's not something that I would, like, actively recommend to someone, I don't think, from what I've seen. Mm. Yeah, because a, a lot of those older games, like, don't really hold up as well now. Because, right. I mean, I think the series is, like, 20 years old or 25 years old. I can't remember. But, yeah, a lot of some of those older games just, eh. Compared to Persona Five, which is, I think, the perfect Persona game, um, it, yeah. it's really hard to go back. Absolutely, and I did want to also kind of very briefly revisit um, Call of Duty a little bit. So, so how uh, when's the last Call of Duty? What is the last Call of Duty that you spent a lot of time with before this one? Um, probably. <sighs> So there's one every year, so it's really hard to remember like which one is which. But the one I put probably the most amount of time into was probably World um, World at War, which came out in 2008, I believe. Um, That yeah, I put probably the most time in that one, and that's actually a pretty good uh, comparison to this one because this this is also World War II, and I'm just playing through the the campaign right now, but like. Yeah, it's just, it's pretty cool to see how far along that series has come. Um, yeah. and it, it's interesting because like one of the biggest mechanics that, that was changed was the health system. Um, typically in those kind of first person shooters, there's just like the auto regenerate kind of thing. And, um, with this one, it's, there's like a health system where you have to pick up health packs and you can okay. store health packs. So that way, like if you know there's a hard section coming up or, um, you know, something like that, you can sort of time your, your health packs to adhere to that situation. And then you have like a squad and the squad has, uh, they, like your squad has different abilities. Like some people have ammo, some people have health that they can give you. Some people have, uh, like a mortar you can call down on a, on an area. So it's really evolved past the, just go to the place and shoot the guy and hit the button kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm super impressed with it, and I've I've always uh, had uh, a liking for World War II, at least uh, like aesthetically and like mm-hmm. s- like setting wise, you know. So yeah, I think 
this is pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to jump into the online and see how that is, but I usually don't get very far with that just because the community is always pretty nasty. But in terms of the single player, uh, it, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. I personally, the last Call of Duty that I remember spending a significant amount of time on, I believe was the first Black Ops, maybe? If if that was the, the Vietnam one? Yes. Yeah, the yeah. first one was set in Vietnam. So I spent an enormous amount of time with the series around that time, and also with Modern Warfare 2. And it seems as if everyone kind of fell off maybe at the same time, maybe a little bit different for others. But it does sound like there were some people, I guess you being part of this group, that sort of jumped you know, in again with this one. And yeah, so you haven't played much of the multiplayer? I haven't touched it at all, no. I just, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just jumped in. I just wanted like a scripted cinematic experience where I'm just running around following objectives. Don't have to worry about other players being mean or whatever. Uh, and I know the campaigns are usually pretty short, like, you know, five hours or so. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so what have you been playing, Sean? Well, I... Man, I've been playing so many games since the last time I've podcasted. Uh, the last podcast we did, I think I was playing Celeste. I'm now done with Celeste. That game is amazing and actually probably my favorite one so far of 2018, despite the fact that we've had a really strong start to the year. Yeah, but yeah a lot of people have really enjoyed that one. Very, very big fan of Celeste, but right now I'm in the middle of some Monster Hunter and some oh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Nice. Yeah. Those are, those are, those I think came out on the same day or close or maybe in the same week. Um, it was I remember right that, next to each other. Yeah. If not the same I remember day. that week because it was kind of a, a weird crowd, like the fighting game crowd versus the hardcore Monster Hunter crowd. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Monster Hunter has really sank its teeth into me. I have only played one title earlier in the series, and that was Monster Hunter Try, which I definitely enjoyed. I probably had played it maybe 20 hours or so. I already have, I'm already pushing 30 in Monster Hunter World. It's, it's, it's hooking me in the way that Destiny doesn't. And, and what, when I say that, I, the, what I mean is that they both kind of operate with that loot cycle. If that makes sense. In Destiny, right. you finish yeah. that mission, you get your gear, you're upgraded, you're now equipped to handle more difficult scenarios, and it's a lot of rinse and repeat. Monster Hunter, the, I guess I can't necessarily articulate why it is that... Oh, sorry, one second. I guess I can't necessarily articulate why it hooks me in so much more, despite the fact that fundamentally it's the same thing, but I'm just completely addicted to it. I... I think maybe it's just the core gameplay every weapon controls a lot differently there's a a rewarding feeling to mastering a weapon because they're not necessarily easy to pick up some of them are more so than others but others like the hammer or the switch axe they require a lot of practice and and time to actually feel like you obtain a mastery of them so in a sense it's sort of this intrinsic reward that keeps me pushing like i want to legitimately become a better hunter um so yeah, it's really been a fun time. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters is, I, I picked that up maybe three days ago and that game is so gorgeous. Yes. It absolutely is. I'd argue maybe the peak of what 
<laughs> Dragon Ball has ever looked. It really is amazing looking. And I'm having a good time with it too, although I'm having a very, very rough time online. I played the beta when it came out. And I wasn't doing amazing or anything, but I was winning more than I was losing. But the, like the harsh reality of like actually playing people who bought the game was, was not good because I have won so few games so far. Like if people who have clearly played their fair share of Arc Systems games, like I'm just getting decimated game after game. I'm having a good time. I feel like I'm improving, but the, the difficulty curve at the beginning is, is startling for sure. Yeah. And, and I feel like. People who buy fighting games and go online to play, uh, most of them are probably going to be really good. Like, oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, maybe some people buy it and they're bad at it, but once they start losing a lot, they'll stop playing online. So most of the people you encounter are probably really good. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're a mash assist, you're not going to continually get online and just get decimated into oblivion. You know, unless you're really purposefully trying to get better. Yeah, the people that you encounter online are are there because they've. <laughs> you know made it through to that point already so that's absolutely true i i remember like i got injustice or something it was injustice as a free ps4 game and i was having a pretty good time in the single player playing with friends and i was like you know let's try this online but it was probably maybe a year after the game came out and it was just this, the amount that I felt outclassed when I was actually fighting was so unbelievable that I never tried it again. I was just like, there's no way I could ever catch up to the meta that these dudes are operating at. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah the, the the fighting game community is pretty intimidating. Yeah, there's a very big, uh, what's the word for, uh, skill, not skill gap. It's where there's... I, I the the phrase escapes me but basically there's so yeah you can just tell how much a person there's a huge skill gap between those who know what they're doing and those who don't long story short and it's definitely I, i'm gonna try and get better at it i've been in the the lab so to speak and trying to work on combos <laughs> and whatnot and getting better but definitely a grueling challenge, even only after a, a month of it being out. So we'll see how that goes. But I just like well, the game. I wish so you much. the best of luck. Yeah, I will yes. need I will need those wishes. But uh, just the the visuals of the game and I, I'm me being a huge Dragon Ball fan are enough to make me feel as if you know I'm glad I I purchased it by all means. And then the last uh, game I've been playing is Night in the Woods. Oh, that game's so awesome. Yeah, so I am, I, I'm unsure exactly how far I am into Night in the Woods just because I, I'm not exactly sure how long the game is, but I've hung out, I think, three times. Okay. Um, yeah, just, uh, take it easy on the spoilers because <laughs> it's a really, like, story heavy game. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I won't really delve into any narrative I've seen so far. So did you play through it, Joseph? I did, yes. Um, and I like that it's presented in a way that's like cute and optimistic and, and, you know, happy or whatever. And uh, I don't, I don't think it, it's like, it's not like it's a depressing game, but I like how it kind of turns out on its head and it's like, Oh, this game's actually really relatable. And like, yes, it, it does get dark sometimes, you know? Yeah. So, I can already begin to sense that. And I think it perfectly captures what it goes for at least what i've seen so far 
Right. A student dropping out of college, returning home. Things are the same, but not really. Right. Yeah. And I just, something about it being animals is like helpful too. Like, I don't know. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know what, I can't really like, I don't know why, but the, the fact that it's like not realistic graphics and it's just like this really like stylized kind of, uh, like art style, it, it makes it easier to swallow. Like, I feel like if it was like hyper realistic, it would, it would just be like kind of a bummer to play. But since it's like this cute cat thing, you're like, okay, I can get behind this. Yeah. I, I'm liking it so far. Do you remember like roughly how many days the game lasts? Because I think I've done like three hangouts. Uh, I don't. I so uh, I know the game actually. If you like do everything, is like fifteen to twenty hours. Okay. Um. So it depends on like how much you do, like how long a day, or well, like how long it's going to take you. So I think if you just like plow through the main story, you can probably do that in like eight, like six to eight hours or so. So I don't know how like how long how far you're into the game time wise but uh you it's as long it, it can be it can be pretty long considering like what the style of the game is right like basically a couple steps removed from a visual novel almost really so yeah i'm excited to see where the story turns i've heard nothing but good things about it and despite the fact that it took maybe a little bit to jump at me it, it definitely has at this point and i plan on Seeing, to, seeing it to its finish. Quickly. Yeah, what platform so, are you playing on? I'm playing it on the Switch. That's the best place to play it. <laughs> it's the best, play to, best place to play anything, is the way I feel for the most part. Unless it's up Except for Payday 2, because it runs like garbage. Right, yeah. Uh, assuming developers take it seriously. The, the portability is such a big deal. And, you know... It really seems as if graphics are hitting diminishing returns in such a strong way that even, I don't know, if the Switch version is a little bit visually inferior, that doesn't really bother me too much. I know there's things it's just straight up can't handle, Monster Hunter World, for example, but when it comes to indies like that, like there's no doubt I'd pick it up on the Switch. It just makes it so much more likely that I'll actually play through it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love the Switch. Uh Anytime a new game is announced, I'm like, it's, is it coming to Switch? Is it coming to Switch? <laughs> yeah. Even yeah, if it's like, even if it's something ridiculous, like God of War, is it coming to Switch? No, of course <laughs> it's not, idiot. <laughs> yeah. is, is Halo 6 coming to Switch, guys? Yeah. yeah well, just, if it's not, it should be. Yeah, just rabid Nintendo fans on Reddit, just harassing developers, like a bunch of leeches. I feel like it's the cycle every time a, a game that could possibly come to Switch. That's pretty much how it turns out. So, so how about this yes. virtual reality? <laughs> yeah, how how about virtual reality? How about virtual reality? Uh, we'll start with, with yeah. Dougie. Ha- have you had any VR experiences, whether on PC or console? I have not. It's sort of, it's very interesting because I, I feel like this is the next step that gaming has to take. And it's something that we've been prepared for for a very long time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. It's like, I don't know, like, first game start is like, uh, side scrollers, everything's <laughs> a side scroller, and then you get 3D, and then like, what's the next step? Like, it has to, it ha- like, yeah, I, I get your point with that. Um, it's interesting though, like, 
one thing about VR that uh, that I find kind of fascinating is that it's super hard mm. to market. Like, um, you can yes. you can see trailers for like I don't know, um, like when they announced Skyrim was coming out, everybody had played Skyrim already, so they could kind of envision what that would be like. But then other things like when they said Resident Evil Seven was going to be fully playable in VR. Well, we hadn't played Resident Evil Seven yet, so it's like hard to imagine what that's like especially if you've never played vr before um and like you know just showing you a commercial of what the game is going to look like that's not how the game actually is yeah it it doesn't display itself well in video format in the slightest it's something you literally have to experience for yourself or uh, otherwise i think it's easy to cast it away as as a gimmick i think especially if um for maybe uh non gamers especially like might not have any idea exactly what it is that they'd experience should they actually have the helmet on. So I think that's a great point. And, and another thing too is like, it's such a like expensive install. Like, I mean, you have to get the, I mean, well, it depends on what VR system you're getting, but like, if it, I think PS4 is like the least expensive one. So you have to get the PS4, you have to get the camera, you have to get the wands, you have to get the camera or the, um, the uh, headset so it's like all these things you have to get and for something that's like not easily marketable it's really it's like a tough pill to swallow like spending all that money um so you know when from the point of view of developers so like spending all this effort and resources and energy making these games that not a whole lot of people are going to play because it's such a tough like barrier of entry you know yeah Absolutely. And I question whether or not the word of mouth even is, is doing that well, because with VR in such a state of infancy and with the price barrier, I'm not so sure that that most of the people who bought into VR, whether that be on PlayStation or PC, currently feel as if their investment was warranted. I, I mean, I guess that's sort of the the price you pay when you go for the early adopter thing. But I don't know mm-hmm. that the craze has caught on in, in that strong of a way as much as you'd maybe think it would, because on its surface, VR is, is literally crazy to even imagine. If you guys have ever, if you've yet to, if you've been able to try Skyrim VR, for instance, being able to do that is insane. Being able to do just those tech demos is something very otherworldly, very sci-fi. So I think it speaks to something that it hasn't caught on in a, in a fad esque way, sort of like the Wii did, but. It's really hard to even like make comparisons to other things with it because it's so different. Uh But one thing that I've noticed is that it's unlike other styles of gameplay in that, you know, if you're playing Mario, you can play Mario (laughs) for like 10 hours straight. You can, or you can play like a 3d game for 10 hours straight. But playing VR for 10 hours straight, you're going to go insane. Like, it's it's physically taxing to that do that. That sounds potentially and very yes. dangerous. It's, well, and it's sort of that weird well, sort of... Right, all, yeah, kinds, and, all kinds yeah. of regards. Yeah. That yeah. scaremongering thing that and people like, are going to get sucked in and they're going to get addicted to it. Yeah. From... <laughs> I I, yeah, I don't... I don't an, yeah, sorry. I don't think that's uh, yeah. uh, an well, issue. I don't think it's an issue, but I think that people it's like, think it's an issue. <laughs> right yeah exactly but those are the people yeah. who've never tried it and it's like okay i'll give you an example i was playing resident evil 7 and my goal was to play that entire game in vr because you can and 
uh, I played for what felt like three hours and I was only like 30 minutes in. Uh. Um, and at that point I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> like, I'm not doing any physical activity, but my mind is exhausted. So I had to take the headset off. Um, and I think that's why you're, you know, we're seeing a lot of these shorter experiences, uh, because it's just, it doesn't make sense to make this whole entire game that most people aren't even going to play through all the way in VR yeah. anyway. I'm wondering if the technical, because it, it does seem like a lot of people have issues playing VR for any prolonged period of time. And I think certain games exasperate that and make it even more difficult. I, I'm wondering, and I don't know if this is something that you two have any knowledge or insight on, but if those uh, limitations, those drawbacks, if they are correctable, like, is that just a a symptom of, of early stage virtual reality and something that will sort of be reconciled as it advances? Or is that just something that is sort of inherent to, to the technology and maybe not fixable? Um, I think it could be. Yeah, as we've, we've said, it's, um, it's an experience that's very much in its infancy. So it, right. wait, I, I think it, there's, there's hope for it to be improved upon, but I don't know if anyone knows if there's any indication of when that will be or how it will you know be right yeah um and i think uh one thing that would help a lot is just like like the hardware portion of it needs to be improved because even like and and i'm all of this that i'm saying is based on uh (laughs) ps4 vr because i've not i've not played the other ones but um getting that set up is kind of a pain like you have all these cables and you have to like, I had to have someone with me just to make sure I wasn't like knocking stuff over, or, like, you know, running into the wall or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a chore to just get mm-hmm. into the game and then like make sure that it's like calibrated correctly and make sure your lighting is okay. Like there's all this stuff you have to do even before you even get to the game that by the time you're in the game, you're already kind of tired anyway. So I feel like if they made the, the hardware portion of it as simple as possible, uh, that would kind of alleviate some of that stress that's put on on your body when just playing through the game. Yeah, I agree completely. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. From the little, I, I don't personally own a VR device, but I, in the experiences I've had using my friends or whatever, I've noticed there is sort of that. You know, just it's just kind of a pain to get it going a lot of the time, and that might be kind of restrictive in some ways. Uh, I, I find it interesting that you guys, so you guys seem pretty, uh, hesitant, or that's not the right <laughs> phrasing. You guys seem pretty, um, you, you sound as if you don't, you, you don't think that VR would be more potentially addictive than other games. Cause that's actually well, something that I think games are addictive. We could see a lot of. I mean, like I've played right. in my youth to spend about a day of my life sitting on a MMORPG. Like gamers have games have that nature, so mm-hmm. I mean maybe that is it's less addictive in in the in the sense that it's such it's so taxing to play. But but if they surp- if they get yeah, past the yeah. tax the physical taxing, is it not? I can't help but imagine it being a far more addictive experience. Whereas people get so immersed <laughs> into things like <laughs> and they lose track of World, world of Warcraft, yeah. for instance. It, it, yeah, it becomes an extension of themselves, essentially. You know, they, the fact that they prioritize their character over themselves, it, you know, it shows their values. It, it, for better or worse, like that character is 
a huge part of their identity. I, I just can only imagine the physical sensation of, of being the perspective. I can only see that amplifying through that, if that makes any sense. I can only actually imagine <laughs> the addict problems of addiction getting worse should, should the, the, because I understand as of right now, it's a huge, you're just get, if you get a headache, you'll place, if you, yeah, sorry, you'll get a headache if you play Skyrim for like three hours. So, or less than that. Sorry, like at one hour, you'll get a headache. So it's kind of stops you from getting too deep in on it. But if that wasn't an issue, I mean, I, I just wonder the type of grip it could have in terms of just being an option for escapism. Mm. Well, that's sort of what I brought up earlier, and that I, I think that a lot of people have sort of have this fear that it's going to become addictive. That if we get over that hardware, the hardware difficulties, that people are going to get sucked into the game and lose track of reality. How how would it not become preferable to real oh, life definitely. <laughs> if the technology advances? Right? How will it not become preferable to real life? How will Tamriel not be better than? you know, whatever else you have going on. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It starts to get really like philosophical mm. at that point, like almost like matrix, like where you're like, which is real life. Does it even matter <laughs> which one's real life? Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of up to the person. Like, I don't, I don't think it's our place to tell that person what sure. they should, mm. shouldn't do. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. I, since, VR is so young, um, it's really hard to imagine it uh, being so far advanced that there are no, like, physical limitations with it, um, because, I don't know, like, I don't know how much time you've spent playing it, but I, every time I've played VR, it's just, like, overwhelming, and regardless of what the hardware is like, like, you know, once I've gotten past all the, the setup and everything, and once I'm in, it's still, like, exhausting mm, yeah and um i remember like i don't usually get too scared with horror games but i was playing resident evil and it was like it was like learning it was like learning that horror was a was a genre for the first time like, <laughs> do you know what i'm saying like yeah it, it, it it's something that otherwise i would just walk past and yeah there's a jump scare whatever blah 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 run through the level and i remember like standing there like I am not going to walk forward. And my friend was with me. He's like, dude, you have to move forward or else the, you can't beat the level or whatever. And I'm like, I'm too scared. And he's like, well, you have to. <laughs> like, And it was like so immersive that, um, I don't know, my mind like was just weird. It was really weird. And I, I don't know how they would fix that to where people would not worry about that and just get like sucked into a game. I don't, I don't see that being a problem ever so but what about the more social vr experiences where there is maybe less going on in the game and it is more of just you interacting with other people that worries me because I, 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 this as you guys were saying earlier when you were talking about uh games we're currently playing the online community can get so aggressive and people can be you know harassed while playing games is that something that's going to get worse as vr improves there's two sides yeah. to it because that's possible, but there's also the, there are things, you know, there are people, I mean, I'm sure you guys have kind of seen the stories, people born with uh, physical disabilities mm -hmm. of some kind or this or that. And the experiences they get to do in video games are things that they never have the opportunity, like, you know what I mean? It, it lets them kind of do things in a way that they normally otherwise wouldn't be able to. And in cases like that, it's like amazing. 
yeah. technology, but right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a point I was going to bring up. Like some people are just like shy yeah. in person or they, I don't know, like social interactions for them is kind of difficult. And maybe when they have their own persona in a video game, it's easier for them to be themselves. And that can be kind of like an exercise for them to practice that skill and maybe implement that in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Or alternatively, uh, uh, not finding reasons to not address, you know, the actual, but then again, it goes back to your point. Who are we to say that like what we consider real social interaction is inferior to digital, you know, it's not necessarily at all. You know, if like on its core, it's not, you're interacting with another person and uh, hopefully both uh, benefiting mutually from that relationship. So whether or not it's happening, you know, in real life or virtual reality, I guess it doesn't matter that much. So yeah, I just, I, I, sometimes I picture a dystopian future where you walk into a Starbucks (laughs) and it's like black mirror. There's everyone just passed out or they look passed out. They're just laying down with their VR helmets on. Yeah, or like something like Ready Player One, where like everybody is just off in another reality. Yeah. So, it, I, 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 I have a hard time believing it will ever get to that point. Um, sure. But I would like to see VR be more mm. successful because I know those developers work so hard on those games, and it it's it's a really cool experience, like. It's hard to describe because it's something that you kind of have to experience for yourself, but I wish more people would play it and I wish it would get a little bit more traction because there are so many, like, there are so many cool ideas that could be implemented even outside of the context of video games that if it was more mainstream, people, uh, kind of like what we were talking about, like, you know, people with disabilities or whatever, um, people who wouldn't, wouldn't have experienced certain things could maybe do that through VR. That would be that wonderful. Ex- extends beyond the initial discussion of physical. Dis- I mean, like, who, like, not everyone gets to go to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. But there's eventually going to be a VR version of that. Like, there's no doubt that VR is a, a net positive in my mind on society eventually. Cause like you were just alluding to, there's all kinds of things beyond the video game realm that VR can do. I mean, education, you know, that uh, VR could be huge in education. Uh, Placing someone into space, placing someone into any type of historical place, you know, or like even entertainment wise, like going to a concert or something. Yeah, oh, or, that would be amazing. Or like a speech or something. <laughs> Go to a yeah, concert like, having to there are a lot the house. of really cool things. <laughs> yeah, and then never have yeah. to leave the house ever again. This is great. <laughs> but I think before it gets to that point video games kind of have to prove that it's a tangible thing. Like, I uh, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it could happen outside of video games, but I feel like there is a world where it gets super popular uh, with video games, and then other people start developing yeah. for other aspects. And then it's so, like, widely talked about that it's a little bit more common, and then people will start using it outside of video games. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, you wouldn't buy, I mean, who would buy a headset right now if you weren't playing video exactly, games? Yeah. Like there's <laughs> right. not much of a software yeah. reason. There, there are a few things. Uh, I've heard good things about Google Earth VR, I believe is what it is coined, where you can basically, you know, roam around a city 
and experience it through VR and that type of thing. But I mean, that's not going to make someone literally buy an expensive headset. That alone is not enough. Um, I find it weird maybe that it hasn't stretched to other things as quickly. Maybe gaming is just a more natural fit than it would be for other things. But I imagine there's no doubt we'll see it expand and become more, you know, mainstream, I guess you could say before too long. I mean, you already kind of see those cheap, cheaper headsets coming available and the technology is becoming a little bit more, I think, spread out amongst the public, the high end stuff, not yet, but I'm just, just give it time. And I'm sure it might really be, it's kind of a hard comparison to make, but think of early early stage 3d graphics on the playstation 1 or n64 and how it, it might be that type of thing where it's just the very beginning of this whole new way of, of seeing games and seeing things you know with animation yeah. in general being 3d and it could yeah, evolve into you know exponentially from here right and it's something that like as the the hardware gets less expensive um You'll, you'll see more things happening with that. And then obviously that'll make it less expensive to buy. So, um, I think price point is still like a big yeah. issue with it. Um, it's, it's cheaper than it's ever been now. I can't remember how much PSVR is. I think it's like 250 bucks or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but even still, like that's almost the price of the PS4 itself. Right. Um, so yeah, I think once that gets down to that, like a sweet spot there, um, it'll be easier to get that into the homes of a lot of people. Yeah, I think so. It'll be interesting to see where it goes for sure. Well, I think that might be a wrap. It is currently 3 a.m., I believe. Where it's is 20 that. to 4, actually. <laughs> 20 to Even worse than my guess. Even, even worse scenario. So I apologize for that. No worries. But um, I'm glad... Yeah. So this is your guys your two's first time on the podcast, yes. correct? That's yeah, that's right. So when we sign off, you can either give some words of wisdom or you can uh offer or you can offer the audience uh, where they can find you on the internet. So um we'll start with Joseph. Uh can I do both? If you wish to. Okay. You can find me on Twitter at Joseph Yaden. Um, and then for words of wisdom, um, see if you can get your hands on VR at some point. Uh, don't go out and buy it, but somebody surely has it or maybe like at like a Walmart or something. I don't know if they have that, but just try VR because it's really, really cool and it's super hard to describe. So the best thing to do is just jump in there and try it. Um, okay, well, Dougie. you can find me on Twitter uh, at Dougie Powell, and I'm going to say similar words of wisdom. Like I've seen a lot of VR setups in in malls and shopping centers where you can just go go and try it. Um, I think it's definitely a technology that's in its infancy, and there's a lot to improve on it. But it's it's a pretty solid experience, and it, I think it's, there's a lot. There's so many places it can go. So my advice will run counter to these twos. Never put a VR helmet on. It'll spike your dopamine to such a high level that you will never be able to live with that one ever again. So <laughs> run away from that, please. Um, you can find me at Twitter at um, QuirkyIargonian. Cool. 
Cool deal. Thank you. So thank you everyone for listening and thank you, uh, Joseph and thank Dougie you. for being here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and no problem. This is Sean, uh, signing off for the Game Lesser podcast. Bye. See you next time. <laughs> Bye.